Blog Talk Radio. On uh, many of our past editions of Chicago's Legal Latte, we have had discussions on starting a business or the many concerns related to running a business. Uh, it uh, really has been, however, a pretty long time since we discussed the process of ending one's ownership of a business, whether that's voluntarily or involuntarily. Uh, so today we're going to ca- get caught up in that area. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And speaking of having been negligent for a long period, I'll hold myself accountable for the gap we've had since we were joined by our guest today, uh, the founder of Lavelle Law, Attorney Carrie Lavelle. Um, always look forward to these conversations. So, Carrie, a pleasure to have you back with me on the podcast. Thanks so much, Jim. Um, pleasure to be here. It's a great topic uh, to talk about today. So I, you know, I'm going to use, I guess it's a formal term, um, you know, called succession planning. I think that's a, sort of the overarching umbrella. But I get a, a sense that's a fairly broad term. So are there certain components that fall into that category? Right. Uh, some people call it uh, succession planning. It's a very traditional term. Some people call it exit planning. But what it means is it's the uh, it's the ability for a business owner to start planning for his or her departure from the business and what happens to the business, what happens to the shareholders, and what is going to go on after that. And that's that's the general overall arching discussion on uh, you know succession planning. And and to me, there's you know two ways this comes about. You know the the opportunity to sell or merge or pass the business on to family member or employees, or, you know, the untimely and unexpected death of an owner. Does a plan need to account for both of those scenarios? Right. What we try to tell people is, um, first of all, try to be in control of it yourself. So um, kind of using the football parlance, I tell folks that they need to start planning of this uh, in the red zone, uh, when they get into the red zone of retirement. So you can't wait to the last year and just say, hey, I want to retire this year. I want to get my business sold. Completely the wrong way to do it. You want to start putting something in place with your advisors and then the legal documents so that you are somewhat prepared and the, and the family's prepared in the case of an untimely death. Um, or if things go well, that you as the business owner are in control of the process of selling off the business. Um, You want to be able to do that and uh, not be forced by economic events, by um, uh, problems with the product or the market that you're in that changes very quickly, and we all know markets change very quickly, that um, that you don't have anything to sell. So you've got to kind of plan ahead on that. Um, and I'm sure these are fairly comprehensive, and we'll, we'll start to dig into some of the details and considerations. But um, when, when you start talking about an exit or a succession plan, are there certain pillars? I mean, a couple of things, one or two, that have to be included every time you put one of these together? Well, I, I just uh, answered a question for a client recently. I said the starting place is uh, talk to us, talk to somebody you trust, and get your business evaluated. Get the valuation of the company. So, you know, I could look at a business, but I don't know strategically where they are in the market. I don't know how much the business owner is taking out on personal benefits. So we usually say uh, get the business valued. So when you talk about pillars in your question, are there certain thresholds that you need to pass? 
heck, if you're if you're if you got a house painting business and it's worth uh, $200,000 or $300,000, we'll deal with that. If you got an ongoing business and it's valued at $10 million, we'll deal with that. And then, of course, it goes up from there. But um, when our our clients are mostly small business owners and some successful business owners, their their businesses are worth well in advance of uh, $10 million. Once you get a feel for that, then you start talking about the options that are available to the business owner. And is this something? Um, yeah, I would assume it's 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 not going to be something someone just jots down on a sheet of paper in case they need it. Uh, you talked about being involved, uh, having Lavelle Law participate. Attorney is a great place to start. Um, you mentioned going out for valuation. I assume that there's professionals that handle that. What's the team that needs to be put together to make sure that uh, everything is accounted for? Yeah, good, good question. So what I would tell you at a minimum, you probably need uh, an attorney to document the deal, okay? And um, mm-hmm. uh, attorneys are not there to give you business advice in terms of valuation. They're not necessarily there to tell you how to position your products and everything. They're there to document the deal. Some law firms, and we happen to be one of them, happen to add a lot of value in terms of tax advice. But So you need a lawyer to document it. I do think you absolutely need a CPA involved, um, both for tax advice and for the financial statements. The financial statements have to be good. They have to be right. Um, I think having a financial advisor is important. A financial advisor would be able to tell you how to handle the post-closing money, to talk through what your real goals are in the whole process. And then the fourth one, and this is kind of important, is... If the business, depending on the size of it, may need a broker if your plan is to sell it to a third party. So small business, business that might be worth a million dollars or less, um, you would probably just go to a business broker. If you start getting up into the five million, more than that, $10 million range, there are business brokers called investment bankers that you would want to get involved. And the reason that's important, if your goal is to sell it to the outside, to a strategic buyer like somebody in your uh, business that's already doing the kind of work that you or provides the services that you do, or portfolio buyer like a venture capital firm that just wants to purchase it and hold it, um, you want to get this broker involved to create competitive tension in the bidding process. Lawyers don't do that. CPAs don't do that, although both of those things, the groups may think they can. You don't do that. You get a professional involved to create um, the competitive tension to get the best price possible in light of your circumstances. All right, we're chatting with Kerry Lavelle, the founder of Lavelle Law. And, uh, of course, Kerry's been practicing law for the better part of three decades. He's a frequent presenter at American Bar Association regional and national conferences and has authored two books that you can find uh, from the publishing wing of the ABA, uh, holds an MBA along with his law degree, and has worked closely with businesses of all sizes, as you can tell from our conversation. Uh, learn more about Kerry at LavelleLaw.com. And I'd also suggest following him on Twitter. You get uh, timely notes and updates on a, a number of uh, things as well when you do that. Um, you, you talked about the bidding process and, and maximizing the value. Um, is just shooting as high as you can to get the most money back always the right approach? Oh, excellent. Another real good question. There's a, a lot of clients that come in 
with that's their jumping off point. Like, how do I maximize value? And not to belittle that reasonable expectation, because after all, the person's leaving, probably leaving uh, for good, their uh, life's work. So why not maximize it for his or her family? Um, the truth of the matter is you step back before you get to that conclusion and you say, what do you really want from the process? And after you talk through it, the most money is usually never the answer. You want security for your family. You want to be able to go out on a fishing boat in, uh, uh, off of the coast of Florida to fish. You want um, the, the customers and clients that you have built up friendships with for your entire career. You want them taken care of. Sometimes, not as often, you have vendors that have been working with you your entire career that are at least partly uh, credited for your success. You want to make sure there's continuity there in the professional service businesses like uh, uh, lawyers, accountants, um, financial advisors. You may have referral partners, strategic partners that you do not want to upset. You want to keep those in place. And the seller may have some post-closing benefits, uh, what's called an earnout, that the seller may be able to earn money after the closing if the whole business is, is uh, successful after the business. So therefore, you want to make sure the business is successful after the closing so, again, the seller can earn some money from that. So the check you walk away from in the closing has to be meaningful but sometimes isn't the buy-all and end-all of the, of the process. There's a lot of constituents that you have to consider when, um, when, when structuring the deal. Certainly the seller and his family, uh, his or her family comes first, but there are these other constituent groups that have to be considered. And uh, a few minutes left here, a few things I want to get to. I, I know um, you have always cautioned, as have some of your colleagues at Lavelle Law, about uh, transitioning a family uh, or to a family member, selling to a family member, whether it's uh, kids or uh, you know cousins, nephews, whoever. Maybe not always the best idea, but but even if so, if you choose to keep the the business in the family, I assume it still requires every bit the same amount of uh, you know attention and, and documentation as if you were selling to an outside source. Oh, 100%, yes. And I kind of like to say maybe even more so if, if you can do more for the family. Um, you would want to make sure all the family members have individual attorneys, individual advisors. Um, you want to make sure everybody is going into this eyes wide open because if the family, if the business starts to fail uh, after the transition, um, you know what will happen. The, nobody's happy. Uh, they think mom or dad sold them a bad business or Uncle Joe sold them a bad business, and then the post-closing payments don't come. Uh, Uncle Joe is mad at the nephews and children because he's not getting paid. So um, it, it, it really is the time to take the high road and get everybody uh, their own advisors. And I, I, um, I really want to get to one more topic here, which is um, you know, we're talking about what you do from a legal and financial perspective relative to the business. Does this tie back into your personal estate plan as well? Is there a link there between the two? 
Yep, there is. There is. The, uh, the old expression that I use all the time when linking the two together, it's not what the business gets out of the deal, it's what you as the seller get out of it. So the whole deal needs to be structured tax efficiently to make sure the flow through from the corporation to you, the owner, makes sense. And then is the, is the estate plan, the wills, the trusts, the uh, uh, philanthropy uh, associated with this estate plan, is that all been thought through? So when it receives the proceeds, is, it, uh, is everything in place? So correct. Now you're converting business assets all into personal cash, and you need to kind of think that through to make sure it's done tax efficiently. And I, I just want to circle back on one thing you had mentioned earlier, make sure I have it right and, and understand uh, your thoughts on it, which is, you know, it sounds like this may or may not be like, you know, closing on a house in which the owners drop the keys and are done. Um, do, do you see business owners often stay involved after the transition? Maybe they stay on for some period of time, and is that a, a recommended approach, or there, there, is there value in doing that? The, uh, the house uh, closing uh, analogy is more the exception. It's not the rule. The seller stays on in some capacity more often than not. If it's a clean deal and they're getting all their money, uh, in most deals, the uh, buyer wants the seller to stay on to transition relationships, transition referrals, transition banking uh, relationships, and they want them to stay on. Sometimes, and, and by the way, they'll pay them for that. There will be a separate consulting agreement. There will be a separate employment agreement for that. Sometimes the seller keeps 10 or 15 or 20 percent of the stock as a minority shareholder and he or she wants to stay on because she wants to see they want to see that portion continue to grow so the seller staying on for some time um, is, is, is more the rule nowadays well uh, a lot of things we could spin off to so I'm going to have to uh, ask Gary to come back and join us again in the future uh, talk more about uh, the interplay with uh, personal estate plans. We didn't even talk about uh, perhaps selling a business to employees, and, and his team has a great uh, uh, group of people that work on uh, employee purchases. So um, we're going to circle back, but in the meantime, I suggest uh, you just visit lavellelaw.com to learn more about these topics or give uh, any of the attorneys our call at 847-705-7555. Uh, always a pleasure to have Kerry Lavelle of Lavelle Law be a part of the uh, podcast. Uh, thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. And again, all these podcasts available at lavellelaw.com, iTunes, and on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.